So after hearing her speak at a People Like Us event back in July, I grabbed her for a chat afterwards and I just knew I had to get her on the podcast. I'm so excited to introduce Maya Welford to the show. Maya graduated from King's College London with a first class psychology degree. She also received the Desmond Tutu Award for her commitment towards serving society. After university, she joined Barclays on their Human Resources Graduate Programme. On finishing, Maya was promoted to Global Wellbeing Manager at Barclays and she is now a Behavioural Finance Specialist. Beyond the day role, she actively contributes to furthering equity and inclusion both within the workplace and society. At Barclays, she founded the Charity Mentoring Programme, which connects Barclays colleagues with charity employees. And she mentors young individuals to raise their aspirations. To top all of that off, she's launched her very own podcast called That's My Name, which I can't wait to chat about today. So thank you so much for joining me today, Maya. This has been hugely anticipated, obviously, since I met you back in July. Um, And it's so nice to finally have you on the podcast. Um, Before we get into what you're currently up to, I just kind of want to paint a little bit of a picture about your life and I I feel like childhood has a huge impact on like who we become as adults so could you tell us a little bit about where you grew up and your school or your university life and how that might have shaped you? Yeah definitely Maz and thank you so much for having me on the podcast it's yeah very anticipated for me too and I'm really excited to be here. Um, So yeah I grew up in East London which I personally think is the best place in the whole world. Um, I have a very soft spot for East London um, which is probably why I've never actually left. Um, So yeah I grew up in East London, um, went to primary school in Bethnal Green um, and actually I guess something that has really shaped my kind of maybe future passions and like what I'm so committed to is that I, I feel like I grew up in around very diverse people. So from pe- for, with people from like all different walks of life. And if I think about kind of going all the way back to primary school, Bethnal Green is a kind of predominantly Bangladeshi area and community. Um, so like 99% of my school was like Bangladeshi children. And I guess I look back at that and that, that was so normal to me. Like myself, I'm, I'm mixed race, half Japanese, half English. And there weren't necessarily many other children around me that I grew up who were the kind of same same background as me but I guess having those like interesting experiences and being like surrounded by people from different backgrounds I think has really fed into like my commitment and dedication to inclusion and I think it's definitely a privilege like I definitely see like the fact that I've been surrounded by such a diverse mix of people for me it's such a privilege and I'm so grateful to have had that experience because I definitely look around now I'm in the working world I look around and I'm like oh it's not that diverse and oh there's like people who have literally only just grown up around like white people around just middle class people so I'm so grateful that I've had this like really interesting mix of like different cultures and I think you get that from like growing up in London and particularly within East London there are so many different communities here in East London Mm. that I feel so grateful that I've been kind of around that Mm. um and then in terms of like yeah I went to secondary school again that was like very focused on bringing in people from like different and diverse backgrounds so the secondary school I went to one of their like it was a state school but one of their entry criteria was like 
if you're if you have ties with different countries then you know you're you're more likely to get into the school really? so again that's kind of bit, yeah that's been oh, like a I've, never, I've never heard that before <laughs> yeah so usually it's just like oh if you live like close to the school you'll get yeah. in with this one it was like yeah the the kids in like the the local area like they got in but actually a lot of us did travel to go to that school um so it was in Essex it is in Essex um so I used to get like on a big train and go to school every day um yeah 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 so like not like an underground tube like an like crane um and then yeah went on to university and studied psychology um so very very interested in like people and what motivates them to behave in the way that they do and also like very very interested in like supporting others Mm. so back then I was like oh I'm gonna go and do psychology and and go into clinical psychology and and support people with really severe mental health issues um but haven't kind of gone into that now Mm. but yeah so very interested in people very kind of passionate about diversity and inclusion which I think is a real reflection of my kind of upbringing and childhood Mm. Um, yeah so have you always known that you wanted to be in psychology and like how did you initially get into the field like how did you know that you wanted to do that at university yeah so I think this was probably towards the end of like my GCSE yeah it was definitely like before my GCSEs I was like I really want to do psychology so I intentionally looked for six forms and colleges that allowed like that offered um psychology as an a level um that was like a really big factor of mine so yeah even like before I was like 15 I knew that I was interested in psychology interested in people interested in mental health um so that really guided like where I went to sixth form went on to study psychology for a levels and then throughout my a levels I was like I'm definitely going to do psychology as a degree like there was no doubt about it very very fixed on that um and then yeah went on to study it and then so no I actually then during university I was like okay I maybe I don't want to go into clinical psychology like for a few reasons like number one it takes ages yeah and I know that shouldn't necessarily be a reason because if you're really committed to something and passionate like you should go through the the time but I was like it's going to take ages it's super competitive being really realistic like I knew the entry salary was just like not that great um so like that was definitely a factor that comes into it and also I think that also interestingly that links back to like people's like parents ability to like support them through university and beyond so for me I was like well I'm not at university I wasn't relying on my parents because I couldn't because they couldn't support me and it's like well I for me I was like I kind of just need to get a job now and like find a job and and start working um so that's what led me on to going on and doing a graduate scheme like at a a big bank so I went to do a graduate program in human resources because I was like okay like psychology links to people and like what who focuses on people within large organizations oh it's like the human resources kind of team or department um so I was applying for HR graduate programs but actually because I did also want to continue studying I did a part-time master's in corporate responsibility and sustainability alongside the graduate program so while I kind of felt like I had to start working to you know be independent and and support myself I also kind of kept that studying element along with it but again kind of different from like psychology so at that point I had kind of broadened my mind and field around 
okay, like there's psychology super broad. I know that I don't just want to go down like the clinical route. Let me be a bit more open-minded about it. So that's what led me on to HR. So I was in HR for like three years. And then just over a year ago, I kind of pivoted my career, more focused in like a psychology area. So I work within behavioral finance, mm-hmm. um, within the kind of wealth management department in the company I work for. It's so interesting, like that whole journey of like, it sounds like, as you said yourself, like you were very resourceful and like finding those opportunities for yourself and just like, if you don't have the support of people around you, I mean, it's kind of like, well, it's you just got to get it done, right? Yeah. <laughs> like somehow. Um, but yeah, what's your what's the favorite part of your job at the moment, and like what gives you the most satisfaction? Like you're obviously very passionate about it. Yeah. So I think I love just working with great people. Mm. Like I was actually reflecting on this recently. Like, what do I enjoy about work? Mm. and all just working being able to work with great people and build relationships with people and I think this really taps into like my my interest in psychology Mm. and engaging with people and thinking okay like why did you do that why is your personality like that because Mm. people are so different and like very can be very predictable but also very unpredictable Mm. so I just I just love observing people and watching people and that's like not necessarily like a core part of like my role but I think it's like I, I just love kind of working with people and being able to kind of engage with different people mm-hmm. through my day-to-day work. It's nice that that's that's like the common thread that runs through your line of work, and you that's like you've said that that's your the favorite part of your job. So I mean that's yeah. ideal, isn't it? I mean yeah. like I um I definitely agree. Like the people that you work with make it. Like the types of people like from all different walks of life and. Um, I mean you must have a lot of patience as well <laughs> sometimes at work I just I tend to like lose my patience with people <laughs> yeah it's so important to remember that you know people aren't always gonna um, react to situations the same that you would um, we actually in my workplace we we've done this thing called um, it's, I can't remember what it's like, a discovery insights oh yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, done that. I've done that so yeah. interesting like it's well, the first time I did it with um yeah. this job and I was like oh my god like how do you know all of this about me yeah. from answering these questions yeah. um the report that you get back I was literally like someone who knows me has written this like yeah. there's no, it's been like yeah it's it's generated. Crazy, isn't it? what um, color were you I knew that was coming I'm a green yellow Ah, oh, same very I think the same as me I'm green I definitely mm-hmm. lead with the green and then I I think I'm green yellow or green blue or yeah I'm but I'm mainly green okay yeah I feel like the greens are the cool people <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, <laughs> but my blue is like above above the line so that that's mm. that means that I'm like quite detail oriented or like I try mm. to be detail oriented mm. but it doesn't always like come to fruition I have yeah. to like whip myself into shape to be, to be like that um yeah. but yeah no that's so cool um can you think of any particular career highlights or proudest moments that make you think like yeah this is my industry and this is like everything that I've worked for has come to this um I think a lot of my proud moments are kind of involved well let me start that again 
<laughs> I think a lot of my proud moments are related to the kind of extra stuff I do beyond my day role. Um, and anyone who kind of knows me or knows me well knows that I just do so much kind of outside of work. And that's either like completely outside of the company I work for, or it's in the company, but in the kind of diversity and inclusion groups um, that are kind of led by colleagues for colleagues to kind of either raise awareness or develop initiatives and so on. So I guess one of the proudest things that I've achieved is I set up this mentoring program, which connects employees within the company I work for with um, employees within the charity sector. So it's kind of connecting up these two different sectors. Um, And I actually launched that when I was like, no, I I came up with the idea when I was like three months into like my first ever job at the company. So I'd literally grad job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd literally just joined the company and like thought of this idea and like then within like a year of being at the company I'd like launched this program um partnered with now we've partnered with like 30 over 30 charities we've impacted like over 600 people through it and we've also expanded into India so we're not just across the UK but we're also in India as well so for me that's such a proud moment um and I guess like I'm so proud of that kind of whole initiative and what's so great is that despite all the different roles that I've been through so I went through the grad scheme had four different roles there had a role after that and I and then I'm in my kind of role my second role after the grad Mm -hmm. program but what's so nice is that this uh mentoring program is a constant throughout that and I'm able to like carry that through with me and kind of continue to develop it and grow it um so I think that's probably one of the proudest things um yeah how did you so like going into three months into your grad role you were like right I've got this idea how did you did you just like come up with a proposal and and sort of yeah so so I joined the gender network Mm -hmm. um the kind of group focused on gender and like gender equity and so on and I joined the kind of community pillar because I was like oh really interested in having a positive societal impact let me get involved in that one and then it was coming to like, so I joined the company in September, it was coming to like December, and they were thinking about initiatives for the following year. And they were like, okay, like, who who has ideas? Like, what should we do? And then I was like, I, I didn't come up with it immediately. But I went away and like thought of this idea. And then they were like, yeah, sounds great. Like, go and do it. Like, they're like, just go do, go do it like make it happen um which was so great like they really kind of empowered me to kind of go away and think and and like what I really loved about that is they didn't I wasn't limited by like the fact that I was so junior and that yeah. I just joined the organization mm-hmm. and I definitely think that I've developed a lot of skills with doing that initiative and, and leading that that I didn't develop yeah. while in my like formal role in mm-hmm. the graduate it definitely allowed me to develop different skills um but yeah I I, they were just like yeah go do it and I just basically had to make it happen Mm, I love that yeah because it's so easy to sort of like stay within the constraints of your title um but yeah if you're passionate about something I mean you did the right thing and just go for it just grab it um but yeah how do you sort of balance work and life as well as you say like you've got a lot going on outside of work and you're really passionate about your work I mean where do you find the balance so when I first joined the graduate scheme one of my first managers she was she sat me down and she was like look Maya 
like we're doing we're do, we're our work is important and you know please like work hard and so on but she was like we're not saving lives so I don't ever want you to like be stressed and feel like what you're doing is like the most important thing in the world and if you don't get something complete today someone's gonna die and that really really stuck with me um especially like when you're so junior I think you can think that what you're doing is like the most important thing yeah. actually like it's not at the yeah, end of the you're, day you're made to feel like that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um, usually like when I put my out of office on when I go on annual leave yeah um, some people like to put their phone number but I'm like if it's an emergency you can call 999 like, yeah, I'm out of exactly. it. <laughs> you won't need me it's so true it's really true so that really stuck with me um so yeah, I think, and also because I'm quite switched on with like the mental health and well-being stuff, like with my background in psychology, with my interest in mental health, I just think that what's the point in like working super hard if you're not able to have that balance and not able to kind of also enjoy yourself? So I make sure that I take annual leave. I make sure that my out of office is on and I make sure I don't check my emails. Like I think I'm just quite like militant at like my laptop's off that's done like I, yeah. I can leave that behind so I I think I'm quite good at like separating work from home life mm-hmm. um and I think like also just having folk a, a thick like things to focus on outside of work so mm-hmm. I've got my podcast I've got like my social life I've got my friends I've got my family and I really do believe in the importance of like nurturing those relationships that you have because I guess also like growing up like neither of my parents like really enjoyed work they were both just like like I just remember them coming home and just being like super tired and super drained and just like not really doing stuff that they necessarily enjoyed and like did make a lot of sacrifices like to provide for me and my sister and I kind of reflect on that and I think I never want to be in that position where I'm like coming home and I'm like super drained um so I definitely think that that like has pushed me to like make sure that I have this balance and make sure that I'm doing work that I'm interested in and that kind of gives me energy as well do you think it's like quite a generational thing because I've been seeing a lot on the internet at the moment like well Gen Z are like you know they're quiet quitters and they just they're not willing to give their all in work well you can still give your all in work and like switch off from work um yeah yeah it's an interesting one and this whole quite quitting thing is interesting Mm, very Uh, yeah it's super interesting because I've always just been like I'm gonna work I'm gonna go above and beyond because it's super Mm -hmm. important to get ahead but then I was like thinking about like the the debates that people have had around like quite quitting and actually yeah like why should you work beyond like what you're paid like also I also I feel like if you're working for like a corporate you are never ever going to be paid enough mm. to like be working all hours under yeah. the sun like never unless you're like working for yourself you have your own business then I get it I get like you know you'd want to put in all the hours because all the hours you put in you're gonna kind of see the direct benefits yeah. of that. but when it's for like a corporate I'm just like yes work hard mm-hmm. I do work hard but there needs to be a limit to it and like mm-hmm. work isn't work is not everything it's really no. no it's not and you can be so passionate about work but what I don't believe in is when people say act your wage because you can also act the wage that you want to be yeah 
yeah, to yeah. an extent yeah. but yeah um yeah I just think that's really interesting there's so much about it at the moment um and my dad even tells me like because he he was very similar like he would always come back from work and just like work till 1am 2am and like just always be drained never really have his own life and now like the one thing he tells me is just like Mariam like you need to just cut it off when work when it hits 5 30 you know work a little bit more if you need to but obviously I mean that doesn't always happen but yeah just just turn off and go and live your actual life because work is not your true life definitely and like life is just too short also Mm. I think like probably the pandemic really made people reflect and really made people realize like and question what is my life what do I want my life what's important Mm. and I think a lot of people realize that they were missing out family time they were missing out on like building relationships Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's probably like a big after effect of the pandemic and everyone reflecting has led to like maybe this quiet quitting kind of phenomena as well. That's why it's so important to have a job that actually fulfills you as well. Like I'm lucky enough to actually work for a a company that really like talks the talk. Um, So Mm. yeah, it's really important when you're like job hunting that thinking about what do you actually want to be a part of you know um so yeah I know that you're a mentor yourself as well but has there been a mentor in your life that's particularly had an impact on your both your personal and professional life yeah there are so many I'm really really blessed and grateful that I've had some really amazing and continue to have some really amazing mentors but my first ever mentor, um, he's called Edwin Lamptey. And I was connected in with him when I was 17 through like a, a like a social corporate social responsibility, like social mobility program when I was at sixth form. And I got connected with, in with him and we, um, he really helped me with like my confidence and like interviews, interview kind of practice, but also really like my university application. Because again, like my parents couldn't really help me with like the whole university application side of things. Um, so it was so great to have him and also from for him like he really broadened my horizons and kind of raised my aspirations and and broadened like my thinking around what I could go on to achieve and what I could go on to do Um, so I guess like growing up my view of like okay what does a future career look like or what what does like life look like like it was probably quite like narrow but definitely I think through a lot of mentors but definitely through Edwin my first mentor my I guess world view was really broadened and he also just kind of made me believe that I can achieve what whatever I kind of want to and and it's I'm not limited in like these are the kind of types of things that I can go into so yeah he and and like that that was like over 10 years ago now um I've met his kids like they're so so lovely um I've got his wife I went me and my boyfriend like went to his house like in so like we've kept that connection and I'm gonna be forever grateful to him for kind of helping shape my direction and my path and really kind of building my confidence and aspirations that's lovely um are there any sort of challenges within your industry or anything that you've had to combat and how have you done that I remember reading 
something on your LinkedIn once about someone calling you a wallflower when you were first starting out and how that's actually shaped you and I thought that was so interesting yeah yeah definitely it's interesting because that post got so so much engagement I think a lot of people could resonate Mm -hmm. um so yeah when I was on an internship uh towards the end it was like it was like a a nine-week internship and towards the end um the kind of director or managing director of the team kind of we had a catch-up and she was like Maya like you're like I've heard great things about you but actually like I haven't really seen much of it in action like I have you when we're in meetings like you don't really speak up like I haven't really heard your voice much like bearing in mind this is one of my first experiences within a corporate environment neither my parents work in have worked in corporate environments like this was alien to me like working in this like corporate environment was super alien to me and also I guess like uh, something that I reflected on is like my mum's Japanese so she's really instilled in me like respect your elders like don't don't like you can't really like speak directly to like people who are more exactly like more senior than you and like you know they're like they're always right and like you like just this hierarchy like she really kind of instilled that in me so I guess like going into this big organization I was just like a bit scared of like you know the leaders and and in particular this like MD but yeah she was like I've heard great things about you but I haven't really heard you um and she was like you know some people are wallflowers and you know you're you're just a wallflower and yeah and she was like and you know some people are just not made to be leaders oh my gosh so there was no like recommendation like I can help you with this it was just like knocking you down no because also this was like at the end of the internship so it wasn't like during it it wasn't like okay we're halfway through I've identified that you're a bit quiet in meetings like Mm. what can I do to support you or like Mm. you could do x y and z it was like oh it's the end of the internship like I've got some great feedback about you but you don't really talk much so you're a wallflower and you're a wallflower and you will never be a leader um it's funny that like I'd love to know what her definition of a leader is as well because that is not very leader like exactly (laughs) Exactly. um so yeah interesting experience and I think I I guess like I didn't let that define me and I think there are people out there who would let that define them and then they would just kind of fit into this box of like oh I'm a wallflower because this person this senior person's Mm -hmm. told me that I'm a wallflower and oh I can't I'm she said I can't be a leader so I'll never be a leader let me just like stay in my lane and like like Mm -hmm. whatever and like I I guess like like having those experiences probably kind of reinforce just you being quiet and not developing your confidence um but actually I kind of did the opposite um but yeah interesting experience and like I kind of look back and I laugh at it because I'm like anyone who really knows who actually knows me and I guess like the stuff I post about on LinkedIn I am vocal and I'm clearly not a wallflower um and I've won like loads of different awards about like being like a future leader and a rising star so it's just it is just really funny like it, it's just very funny. it is funny yeah, yeah it's good that like all you can do is laugh yeah. now and hope that she's not said that to anyone yeah. else and you know who knows that they might be watching all your yeah. posts and like shaking their fists at the sky. <laughs> exactly. So what do you think your industry could do to encourage more diversity? I know that's a big question. 
Yeah, a very big question. I think, what can we do to encourage more diversity? What I'm seeing a lot of is this allyship piece. I personally mm. don't like the word ally or like being an ally. Um, and I personally get very, not uncomfortable, but I personally get a bit mm. awkward when people are like, you're such a great ally to like the black community or such a great mm. ally to like the LGBT plus community. Like for me, it's like, it's just being a decent human being. So, but I, I do think there's something in like everyone having a role in diversity, equity and inclusion. It's definitely not just up to like marginalized groups or marginalized people to like be doing DE and I work. It's so important to have them in those conversations. But what I think is so crucial is for everyone to be on this journey because we we're not going to see progress if it's just like the same few people speaking about it and, and taking action. It's actually mm. a collective action that needs to happen. And that's where I really think that we'll see progress kind of happening. Um, and, and I am starting to see more of this like, okay, ally allyship piece. Um, mm. I think a lot of it is performative where people are just like, ooh, yeah, like I'm, I'm gonna attend this event about whatever. And like, mm. I'm an ally, like, no, you're not. Um, so I think it's it's like this be an active ally how can you actively uh, advocate for this kind of marginalized group how can you actively make you know the workplace more inclusive for everyone Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah I don't like the word allyship but I do think there's definitely something in like the collective efforts of people and it being everyone's business and everyone's responsibility to push forward uh, DE&I rather than just kind of like the select marginalized Mm -hmm. view being an ally also sounds kind of passive it's Mm. like like you know it's very much like yeah I support them but okay what are you actually doing like it's going to take time money resources to like actually do something so what are you what are you actively doing rather than just being like yeah like I'm not racist I'm anti-racist that's not good enough anymore exactly it's really not so I think like it, it, it is very easy to see through that now I think it's very easy to see when people are just kind of saying empty words and saying things just kind of for the sake of it just to kind of show place yeah. um there's such a difference between like saying something and actually taking action and and actively showing up every day this can't just be like "Ooh, it's black history month let me like post it out and yeah. put an event on it's like okay what about the other 11 months of the year like what are you doing then and how are you daily with everything that you're doing making sure that the world the world the workplace wherever is inclusive for everyone Mm -hmm. exactly yeah um so I know that you have your own podcast called that's my name um could you tell us a bit about your podcast and how you came to create it and why yes definitely um so yeah I launched the podcast just over a year ago now so it's a podcast which is all about names so it shares and explores name related stories so people's experiences with their names whether that's name mispronunciation or changing their names or uh, microaggressions and racism associated with their names and it also explores um 
kind of cultural naming traditions so you know across the world there'll be different kind of countries who have particular naming based traditions um so it also explores that as well um in terms of how I came up with the idea like I knew that I wanted to start a podcast I didn't really know what and I didn't want to just do one for the sake of it um but I had like a series of different kind of conversations in a short space of time with a few different people just very randomly um and then also kind of my own experiences with my with my name. Um, so those together, I was like, oh, like, that's my idea. I can kind of go and create a podcast on this. Initially, I was like, oh, I'm just going to do like 10 episodes and then just not do it again. But I'm really enjoying it. And it's it's definitely like grown a lot. And um, obviously, we met at the People Like Us event. Um, and through that, I met a lot of really, really great people. Um, so yeah, going to continue it. But yeah. I love that. Um, can you tell us a bit about your your like name story then? Yeah, definitely. Um, so my full name is Maya Mitzko September Welford. Um, so the Maya is quite like an international name. So a lot of different countries and cultures have Maya as a name. Um, my mum's Japanese, so Maya in Japanese or like the name means like shining star or like shining thing or object so shining um and then Mitsuko is my Japanese grandma's name um so my parents did this thing where they named me and my sister our, our first middle name is after like our grandma so my my sister got my English grandma's and I got my Japanese grandma's name and then September is the month that I was born in um really I think just really random like my parents and again like this like tradition that they've kind of created because I feel like I'm going to do this with my kids but this tradition that they've created is like not necessarily tied to like Japanese culture or British or English mm-hmm. culture I think they just kind of made it up themselves um <laughs> I love that. yeah uh, and then yeah Welford is just my dad's uh surname so like our family name um so yeah quite like a I'm gonna say unique but I mean I would say that because it's like my name but like kind of <laughs> weird unique full name um which kind of reveals a bit about like my identity and my background so like my Japanese uh, heritage um and then I guess in terms of like my own experiences with my name my first name is like persistently mispronounced um which like first few times it's like fine but it's literally been a constant throughout my life um so yeah what kind of thing do you get I get mayor like all the time and I'm like I'm not the mayor of London I'm not (laughs) um so yeah I get that so much and like it's just like when it's like like repetitive by the same person I'm like this is just a bit disrespectful like I've told you how to yeah um and then I actually went through this phase when I was like seven or eight where I was like oh I want to change my name like because I think yeah definitely during primary school I was like the the Japanese side of me was like definitely a target for like just piss taking or like bullying so I definitely went through this phase of like wanting to like deny that kind of Japanese side to me and I was like okay like let me just lean into my English side and like ignore the Japanese side and I guess a part of what really reflects that is like me going through this phase of like wanting to be called like a very very like English name um which is interesting like I look back and I'm like 
that's so sad why did I want to do that mm-hmm. why did I want to like, yeah. deny that like Japanese side of me like it's actually a bit heartbreaking um but yeah so definitely I've like, gone on a bit of a journey with my name but obviously now I love my name um and mm-hmm. I wouldn't change it uh but yeah those are my experiences mm-hmm. so um I my surname is Chowdhury and you said that you grew up with yeah. a, a lot of Bangladeshi people so that must be quite familiar to yeah. you but my first name is Mariam but obviously I've shortened it to Maz and after your people like us um presentation I was like oh no I was like why do I shorten my name but then I had like a bit of a crisis and I was like you know I actually I feel like a Maz yeah. um but my, my family used to like call me Mary and Mariam and like my dad pronounces it like completely how I've never pronounced mm. it like he calls me Miriam like with an e so it's like I am still all those renditions of my name but just like I, I like being Maz at work yeah. and I like being Mariam at home that's just yeah but it's interesting to think about it the, the when I was at school people would always call me like Miriam because that's quite an English yeah. like an English version of my name and I'd always say you know it's, it's Mariam it doesn't have an I in yeah. it um, and it would keep happening and you know I wish I could go back and like tell those teachers like you know would it really have hurt to just get it right once exactly exactly and I think people really underestimate like how much people tie their like sense of identity and who they are mm-hmm. through their name I think it's not until like it's mispronounced or it's not until you know you need to you, you are kind of triggered to like reflect on it that you realize like it is so important so I think getting Mm. getting it right in like whatever form that person wants it to be like for you like if you want to be called Maz at work then like Mm -hmm. people should respect that and get that right versus Mm -hmm. you know if you want to kind of go by different names in different spheres I think what's so so important is just kind of people respecting that like and and that being Mm -hmm. like your decision and and for people to respect that decision yeah completely um so to round off um if your friends were to give you an award I know you've won lots already Mm. but what would it be for oh my god (laughs) (laughs) I love asking me a good question um well like a funny one would be like telling really silly bad jokes that just like fail but then I guess a bit more serious one is like listening I think I'm a really good when I want to be a really good listener and I feel like I'm I'm able to kind of be there and I guess really listen to my friends or or whoever when when they're kind of in need um so I think that would be an award as well yeah that is such a talent because it's so easy to you know feel like you're listening but actually you flip it and you talk about yourself yeah yeah. I've done that I'm I'm but I've started to realize when I do it and I'm like no stop (laughs) um and also what would you like your legacy to be my legacy um (laughs) I think just in some way having made the world a better place I think Mm. I'm guided by that like that's definitely like a, a a vision not a vision but like that's definitely something that kind of guides a lot of what I do and Mm -hmm. I'm so committed to like making the world a better place in like I guess my own way um Mm -hmm. 
And I think everyone has the ability to do that. But yeah, I think just having made the world a better place. Sounds lovely. And that's such a nice way to round off the episode. So thank you so much for your time today. It's been Mm. so lovely to talk to you. And is there anything you'd like to share before we say goodbye? No, thank you so much, Maz. I've really, really enjoyed speaking with you. Um, And yeah, let's keep in touch. Yeah, definitely. We'll share Maya's social links in the description of this episode if you'd like to be in the loop with all she gets up to. Thank you for listening. That's the end of this episode. If you've listened all the way through, thank you. We hope you enjoyed it and you found something useful that you can take with you in your personal or your career journey. We appreciate any feedback or thoughts that you might have. So if you want to get in touch, please email us on untickthebox at milkandhoneypr.com or you can reach out via any of Milk and Honey's social media channels. See you next time on Untick the Box. Untick the Box.